Welcome. I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. Here I share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll find details about the episodes, plus important links, including the link to the Dogged Planner and Workbook created just for handlers on a mission. So if you're ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey there, and welcome back to the podcast. Okay, this week we're going to talk about something that has come up in my coaching conversations with uh, my one-on-one clients, and that is the concept of triggers. Now, big preface on this because um, we can have like small T triggers and big T triggers, okay? Um, Things that come with trigger warnings like... Um, you know, assault and, you know, uh, just big items would be big T triggers, okay, or big T traumas, all right? That's kind of how the, the world is sort of starting to talk about these things. But there are also triggers and traumas that are smaller T, all right, which means they're not maybe like an assault or something that major, but they still are an emotional trigger for us or an emotional trauma for us, something that we went through. So I want to talk about triggers today because what I am finding with my clients, I don't know if it's the moon, the stars, the placements, I don't know what's going on right now, but we're having a lot of conversations about triggers. And in this context, and again, context is really important here because I don't want to minimize anybody's big T triggers, but um, in this context, what we're talking about is an event that happens maybe in the ring or at a trial or something that um, kind of instantly makes you feel a certain way or gets you to react in a certain way because it's based on past experiences, okay? So here's a great example. You train and train and train and you go in the ring and you have been having great, let's use agility for an example, you've been having great contact performance, right? So those, um, for those of you who don't do agility, um, there are some uh, pieces of equipment where the dog has to go up and over and they have to hit a contact zone at the end, primarily for safety. And it's sometimes a hard thing to train. Actually, often it's a hard thing to train, but um, but that's what we're talking about. But they, they've been getting in their contacts, right, which is that end behavior, and they've been doing it regularly, 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 and this is great, and you're starting to feel really confident, um, and this is really exciting because you've been feeling really confident um, after the previous year, they were missing it all the time. You know, they were just missing it all the time and it was like the reason you weren't queuing and it just was this big major thing, but you worked on it and in the past six months, they've been amazing, right? Perfect. But you walk into the ring and for whatever reason, this time they missed their contact. And that can be a trigger for an entire slew of emotional responses that maybe aren't true anymore, but it doesn't matter because it's your feelings are true, right? You feel how you feel. And what happens is in that moment, a lot of things collide. But one of the biggest things is we start to lose faith in our training. 
right? Or we start to go back and think, oh my God, this happened before. We went a year without hitting our contacts. Oh my God, this is going to happen before. When really it's just one point in a story, okay? And so if a lot of things can be very emotionally triggering for us. We go to a trial and there's a dog that our dog doesn't like or a type of dog that our dog doesn't like. I had that for a while because my dog, um, my first novice A dog decided that he hated all Nordic breeds. <laughs> he just decided. So I had to be like super cautious around it. Well, I became like nutty about it, right? Like anytime, I mean, my dogs have a lot of fur, but anytime I saw a dog with more fur, I was like, you know, my hand in the collar, I was super careful, da, 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 da. Was it necessary? I'll never know, right? Um, but what happened was, is it triggered in me an emotional response that got me to change my behavior and to question the training and the work that I had put in to improve the situation, right? So it can be a behavior, a a specific um, site, like a place that you go could trigger something, right? You could have had a terrible obedience trial the last time you went to this particular site and you walk in and you start remembering that. And if you're not doing it logically, you're kind of remembering it emotionally, right? So sometimes our emotions kick in our memories even faster and we start feeling the physical effects of it. We get the extra butterflies or the extra nerves or the extra angst or some of us might get cranky or short with our dogs or something like that. It shows up in these really weird behaviors. And what's happening is our our minds but and our bodies, because we store trauma and memories in our bodies as well, remember what happened and start going into um, like a, oh my God, this just is as if it almost just happened again, right? And what happens to us as handlers then is we start handling different or we start doing different things, right? Because we lose faith in our preparation, in the training we've done in the meantime. You know, maybe it had been three years since you'd been in that obedience building, but now you're going back to old habits and you're going back to old ways because you're being triggered and it's it's digging up, in a sense, this old response or really it's a reaction to what happened a time before, okay? So for us as handlers, we need to really be good at recognizing these triggers. Now, I don't want you to get in the habit and mistake what I'm saying. When I say recognize triggers, I don't want you to think, oh, I need to pre-identify them and therefore pre-obsess about them. Please don't. Please don't create problems that aren't there. We have to be really in the present about our dogs and who they are today and the work that we've put into them, you know, since this thing happened um, and we need to stay with them where they are, right? Because while our dogs do remember things, obviously, and they remember environments or mistakes or happenings or whatever, whatever, they don't quite hold, they don't, what they don't do is they don't take it and, and and do forward imagining with it right? They don't really have that part of the brain that lets them think of the 12 dastardly catastrophic scenarios that could occur, all right? Humans, we get to do that. We get to think of all the ways that it could go sideways. So they don't really 
they they re- might remember something, right? They might might remember an experience, right? If you take them to a vet where they had a bad experience, you can see they have memories. They're they're not without memories. But what I'm saying is they don't pre-catastrophize. You don't say I'm going to the vet and they're like, oh, this could happen or this could happen or this could happen or this could happen. They don't do that. We get we get that uniquely on our own with our large frontal cortexes. Um, that's what that does. So we have, when I say I want you to identify your triggers, I don't want you to make them up in the sense that like, I don't want you to waste your imagination on thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Okay. What I want you to do instead is when something happens, really think about the fact of like, wow, I had a big reaction to that. Like my dog missed like one contact and all of a sudden I was like practically in tears or I was freaking out. Why was I freaking out over one contact? Well, because it's not about one contact, right? It's not about one, you know, missed recall in obedience. It's not about um, you know, one missed sign and rally and now you're scared to death you're going to forget, you know, or skip sc- signs from now on. It's not about the one time. It's about the fact that in your experience, you had a time where that was a big deal or caused a big deal and created like this really big memory for you that has a lot of emotion attached to it and potentially a lot of time put into it, right? Um, And now it's a big thing. So when you see it again in your environment, your body, your mind, all the pieces and parts go, oh no, not this again, right? Not this again, okay? So we need to reframe it, but we can't reframe something when we don't understand what it is or where it's coming from. And like I said, in my one-on-one calls lately, I've just been having several conversations about these triggers because people are making it an one event, one data point specifically, mean a lot more and mean something really big in like a much greater context. In other words, we're blowing it out of proportion a little bit, okay? Um, But rather than just say that and gloss it over, we're gonna fix it, right? Because we're not just about like, oh yeah, I blow things out of proportion. How does that help you? That doesn't help you, we're about helping. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about something that was triggering for you, whether it's in the past or, you know, a different dog or the dog you have, or it was last weekend, you know, and something that you're like, yes, it is triggering for me. Again, small T triggers, um, but it is triggering in that it autom- I automatically go to this place. Like, I don't even know why I automatically think that that way, et cetera, et cetera. So think about something like that. And then think about why is this such a big deal to you? Why was this such a big deal to your brain, to your body, to your story? And then why did you start to tell a bigger story about what it meant, right? Because that's the thing. We take this one moment in time and then we assign all of this huge meaning to it. And we attach all these other pieces and parts like, you know, Tinker Toys to it. And we make these, you know, very complex structures in our brains that if this happened, therefore, all of this it must be true. And one of the ways that we talked through it and with one of my clients is we talked through it as if it were like a spreadsheet. Okay. If you're keeping, if you were keeping a spreadsheet of every figure eight you ever did in obedience or every, you know, contact you ever did in agility, right? And someone 
like some, you know, very smart person with a clipboard was running the Excel spreadsheet and they were keeping track of every time, let's say you miss the contact, right? And they would be like, well, yes, from the time of, you know, 2019, you know, June till, you know, November 2019, your percentages were blah, blah, blah. And they're just taking this really black and white approach. Then what they would be doing is that every data point would just be that. It would just be a data point. And data doesn't become trends until you string enough together. Okay. So let's say you were having a problem with your contacts, yada, yada. Data person is keeping track, but then you were like, you know what, I'm going to fix this. And you double down on training or you take a couple seminars or you really put time and attention to it. And so all of a sudden it starts to shift and it starts to shift in this really positive direction. And so now the data person is saying like, yeah, I mean, here was this, you know, this curve went like this, you know, you were having a lot of missed contacts and then you were now for the last year, you've had barely any missed contacts. Like this is an amazing trend in like this really great direction. And yeah, based on this and based on the fact of, you know, a year or six months or whatever of successes, you know, this is really great. And then you drop another data point that says you missed a contact. Well, at that point, if you're truly like a, a studier of data, um, you're going to see that it didn't really much move the overall average, right? Because it was just one time. It was just one point in the data. It was just a data point. And again, until you start to string more data points together, until you start to find a different trend or a new trend or an old trend come back, it's not something that you need to freak out about, okay? And so... um I think that that was one of the, that was the analogy that actually clicked with my client. She will recognize herself, of course. Um, But um, that was the analogy that really clicked in that, like, what if it's just a data point? What if it's just a data point on a day and it doesn't have to have meaning? It just needs to be a piece of feedback you record in your planner and you write down like a note, like, hey, mixed contact on Friday, but Saturday and Sunday were perfect great. You know, then you can start to look at it and be like, well, what was different about that? Was I in a different position? Did I do something different? Did I look away with my eyes because I was looking at the next jump? Like, is it on video? Can I watch it? What can I learn? And in this particular case, this person was able to look at the video and go like, I know what I did. And, and be able to really remove the emotion of it because they were able to point to it. Now, we don't always have video. I realize that. I hardly ever have video. Uh, but I do try to think about like where I was or what I was doing and, and try to make a couple notes. Um, and sometimes those notes um, are really informative. Like the other thing that we got to on this particular call well, it, was it had to do with the approach to the contact and that that could have been a factor. But again, you don't know until you start looking at trends or you go back to training and you start setting up the same um, environment, you know, the same lines and things that you can get the same results, right? Same can be true in the obedience ring, you know, maybe the figure eight, when the figure eight pattern is in one place, it's great. When it's, when you're facing the other direction, it's less good. Or when the healing pattern starts off in a certain on the right side, it works great. When it starts off on the left side, you're a little discombobulated or whatever if the ring entrance is in a different place. So we want to 
look for trends not to support our mania, okay, like our manic thoughts and our emotional triggers, but in a way to give us more control over the situation so that we know what it is that we need to work on, okay? And we have to get better at taking a couple notes here and there so that we can find those moments, those pieces of data, but not ascribe a ton of emotion to it. Okay. All right. Hope this makes sense. Hang on one second. This is a shameless plug for my dogged planner. I created a planner, workbook, and journal designed just for handlers with big goals. It's been years in the making and it's finally available and I'm super proud of it. The link to learn more is in the show notes, but quickly, the Dogged Planner has goal setting pages, title tracking, a place to record health information, in-season date capture, notes pages, and monthly and weekly calendars. The workbook is everything except the calendar, and the journal is blank for seminar notes, rehab plans, training notes, agility stickers, or whatever else you may need. All are available on Amazon and are made to order. So if you're serious about slaying your goals this year, then you need the Dogged Planners. Okay, so when we're trying to break through triggers, right? We started with the, first of all, you've got to know what is the triggering event? Why is this triggering for you? You know, does it harken back to a year ago when you were having this problem in an ongoing manner? I can tell you for a fact, one of my triggers with Moxie is that if she walks into a ring and gives me any sign of shutting down at all, because that's her stress, that's what her stress looks like, I freak. (laughs) I freak. I'm like, oh my God, it's back again. It's back again. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I thought we got better. I thought we were better. I thought we were better. I mean, poor kid doesn't have a chance, right? Because then I fly down this rabbit hole like a freaking slip and slide. And all of a sudden, I've put that in both of our heads, right? Because now I'm completely freaking out. She maybe had a moment of nervousness which she didn't even get to fully dissect herself or know how she really felt because I was so far down this slip and slide rabbit hole situation that I was catastrophizing for the both of us, right? So I know you can relate. I certainly can relate, okay? But we have to start with what? And then we have to think about, okay, well, what do I want to do instead, right? If this happens, what do I want to do instead? And again, this is different from, oh my God, I don't want to manifest like, you know, my dog being nervous in the ring. I don't want to manifest by thinking about it. No, you're planning and you're understanding your training and you're understanding your dog's strengths and weaknesses and you're understanding your strengths and weaknesses, okay? So we need that full picture in order to make a handling plan, right? Isn't that what handling is in any ring? A handling, you know, really great handling is, you know, the ability to make plans, yes, execute them, but also potentially be flexible enough to go with plan B, you know, and really handle something that comes up for us, right? So that flexibility, that resilience is something that as handlers, we need to constantly be working on, okay? So that is the basics. Understand your triggers. Just understand them and understand what you want to do about them. The thing that we got to in this most recent call that I had about triggers is, We want to transform triggers from being this emotional event that might send you spiraling into a very unproductive, you know, emotional or mental state into handling reminders, right? So 
imagine, imagine a world, right? Imagine a world where I see my dog, Moxie, get nervous. And instead of me also freaking out, I, am, I use that as a handling reminder to be the supportive handler she needs in that moment. And I go, oh, I look at her and I go, got it. You're feeling nervous today. What you're going to need from me is instead of X is going to be Y. I need to be more supportive, more patient, more compassionate maybe, um, or maybe I have to change my plan that I'm only going to go in and do the healing pattern and excuse myself or something, right? Like, okay, got it. I'm listening to the feedback that my dog is giving me and I'm going to handle accordingly. Well, that becomes, I, that went from being a trigger for both of us, quite frankly, to being a handling reminder, all right? And how much better does that feel? I mean, this isn't even your story and you probably feel better listening to it because my angst level in telling the story even changes instantly, right? When, because now I have something to do about it, right? I have, I have more control. I know what my response needs to be, okay? So for in the, going back to the example of contacts, what we figured out was that, okay, interesting. Well, if I do pay attention and I do find that it's a trend that my dog misses their contacts, you know, if we come off a, let's say a 90 degree turn, then now I know, hey, handling reminder, this is a 90 degree turn to the A-frame. What am I going to do differently? Now it's just a reminder. The story I told her and the story I've probably told here before is that I had a dog once who was starting to have bars and I couldn't figure out why. So what I did is I took the maps back when we had maps, um, but you could do it on your phone and just use your markup tool. Um, and I would, I started to circle sort of where those were. And I noticed that they were going to the right, that they were, that he would have a bar if it was a right, a right hand turn. Didn't have to be sharp, didn't have to be a 90 degree turn, could have been a smooth right turn. And I brought that information back. Now, how I got that information is I was really good about writing in my planner at the end of the weekend, bar right turn. What is that, three words? Like it didn't take much. I wasn't writing some like journal entry. I just would say bar right turn or I would circle the jump on the sheet and bring the sheet home, okay? And I took that back to my instructor at the time and we did this little sequence and in like three jumps, she was like, got it. She's like, he doesn't want to use his right lead. He's only using his left lead, which means he's using his left lead to going to the right, awkward as heck. Like that's not going to work out well, right? And um, leads, for those of you who don't aren't into it, like are the, the, the leg that is leading, basically. That's why they call them leads. It's actually, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, so he was basically trying to do this really awkward thing, right? Go, using his left lead to jump to the right, which is backwards and shouldn't be done. And um, so I have a hypothesis of why he did that, but it didn't matter. What happened was, is because I wrote down a couple notes, three words, a few weekends in a row, and brought that information back to someone who could help me with it and maybe take a different perspective and watch and, and figure out what was really happening, she was able to determine that. And then what I did with that information is I used it as a handling cue. If I was going hard to the right, I would shape the turn differently, right? And I would give him a chance to straighten out knowing that he was going to try to jump this right-hand turn off of his left lead, okay? And so those, the reason I tell that story, which again, some of the mechanics may not make sense to all of you, is that we pick up these 
trends when we capture the data points. But we have to be good at capturing those data points sort of without emotion and then figure out like, oh, was this keep happening or was this an anomaly? Because a lot of cases in when we're talking about triggers, we're overreacting to a one-time data point, okay? We don't really have enough to react to. For me, from my contacts, my very large Bernese Mountain Dogs have running contacts on their, well, on everything, but on the dog walk. And in that dog walk, I know, statistically speaking, that we are going to get called every once in a while because my dogs are going to stride over the dog walk contact because that is the length of their stride. <laughs> okay. And they have great running dog walks. I'm not going to go back and train, retrain it because statistically speaking, when I look at the data, it doesn't happen often enough to warrant retraining. Does that make sense? So also I get to look at that and I go, yep, every once in a while that's going to happen. It's just the nature of this dog plus this contact plus, you know, whatever kind of a thing, right? So we have to sort of pick things apart, all right? And I'm trying to give you a lot of examples so that you can sort of find what ways that you would be picking something apart in your own experience and how you can move it from being a trigger or something that makes you, you can feel that you're overreacting, but you can't stop yourself, right? Um, like me and Moxie and her her performance anxiety. Um, and so you see it happening almost like a movie outside yourself, but you now have a way to intervene, Okay, so we want to get you to a place of empowerment and to restructure a trigger into a handling reminder. Does that make sense? So I want you to take a look at what your triggers are this weekend. If any come up for you, hopefully they won't. You're just like a joy and no, none will come up. Um, but figure them out. And, you know, it doesn't have to be doesn't even have to be dog related. It could be people related. It could be, you know, people at the trial. We've had a couple of podcasts on, you know, the people at the trial and what that does to our state of mind. Um, it could be a trigger for you is when you're late in the morning, it throws off your whole day. It could be your dog didn't poop in the morning and that's a trigger for you. I've seen that happen. Um, or it could be, you know, something that happened two years ago happens again and you go back to that moment in time and you have that big reaction. Okay. So take a look at that and then see how you can look at your runs and make a note in your planner or workbook and just make a note, a couple words, a couple words and get into a habit of doing that so that you're like, you know what? I don't have to worry about this. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to deal with this later and I'm going to look at this later and I'm just going to watch and see if this becomes a trend and becomes something that I need to worry about or this is a one-time thing. Okay. Or maybe you can jump right to, hey, I know what that is. Instead of making it a trigger, I'm going to make it a handling reminder and that's going to help me next time. Okay. All right. So take a look at that this week. I would love to know, share with me on social or wherever you find me hanging out, um, what your triggers are. And as always, I take requests. So if you want me to talk about your specific trigger here on the podcast, let me know, send me a DM or something. You can find me. You know how to find me. Check the show notes for all the emails and everything. And in the meantime, whatever you're doing with your week and your dogs, I hope you have a fantastic week with your dogs. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. Check out my Dogged Planner workbook and journal available on Amazon. Just search for Dogged Planner. I also offer monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out all the ways you can work on your mindset. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at theqcoach and let me know how it's going. Finally, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.